Eine Panel-Diskussion hier auf der Bühne. Ich glaube, ein Panel in der Art gibt es nur ganz selten. Das ist eines der emotionalsten Themen, die es gerade im Bereich Mobility gibt. Es geht um Passagierdrohnen. Fliegen hat die Menschen schon immer begeistert. Ich glaube, es gibt wenig, was so viel Faszination auslöst. Und das ist bestimmt auch einer der Gründe, warum es so ein Hype um das Thema Passagierdrohnen gibt. Und äh, selten sitzen ähm, drei der größten und am ähm, meisten fortgeschrittenen Anbieter gemeinsam auf der Bühne, Lilium, Volocopter und Ehang und dazu noch die Deutsche Bahn. Denn das Panel wird moderiert von Martin Fröhlich, Head of New Horizons bei der Deutschen Bahn. Das ist eine kleine Abteilung, die den Auftrag hat, für die Deutsche Bahn besonders langfristig disruptive Geschäftsmodelle aufzuspüren und zu schauen, welche Relevanz hat das und welche Stakeholder sind da interessant, wen muss man zusammenbringen. Das ist der Job von Martin Fröhlich. Er wird jetzt auch die Moderation übernehmen. Ähm, Martin, bist du schon da? Da! Herzlich willkommen, Martin. Hallo. Sehr schön. Schön, dich zu sehen. Danke erstmal für die Einladung. Herzlich willkommen zur Podiumsdiskussion Flugtaxi, Verkehr der Zukunft. Um abzugleichen, ob ihr hier richtig seid, ich denke mal ja. Das ist das Thema, was uns ja, untriebig macht. We will switch to English right now, so the podium discussion is in English. We will spend the next 90 minutes together. For the first 60 minutes, we will have a yeah, discussion round with the panelists here on the stage, and then we will open the discussion round for you, ladies and gentlemen. So, warmly welcome to the first panelist on the podium discussion, the future of yeah, flying taxis, Christian Bauer from Volocopter. Warmly welcome. Hello. Hi. Fine. And a warmly welcome to my colleague Tatjana Winter from Deutsche Bahn Digital Ventures, Senior Investment Manager. <laughs> also, a happy and warmly welcome to Felix Lee from eHank. Thanks for coming to Frankfurt. Duncan Walker from Skyports, warmly welcome on stage from Skyports, the CEO. Hello, hi. Also, Konrad Tan from Lilium, welcome on stage. Hello. And also, Mr. Alexander Laukemann from Fraport, warmly welcome on stage. Martin, wir stellen dir noch ein paar Stühle mit auf die Bühne. Oh, kurz noch einen Moment nimmst. Ja. Genau, da machen wir ein bisschen Platz. Und die Pause nutze ich auch. Ähm, wer es vom Englischen aufs Deutsch übersetzt haben möchte, möge sich ein Headset holen. Sie gibt es dort hinten. Sehr gut. Ja, Mr. Zackes, could we have a little bit much more water for the candidates here? Thank you. Many, many thanks in advance. So if you have some questions, please write it on a paper and give it to me. If you are introverted, if you are extroverted, I will give you the microphone over the, yeah, after 60 minutes discussion round, or we will open it before. So we have a lot of the flying taxi ecosystem in Germany is growing up, hopefully soon. The ETS was in Singapore one month ago. Volocopter and Skyports was there for the presentation of the first Vertiport, the infrastructure Vertiport for the flying taxi ecosystem. What did Volocopter and Skyports in cooperation in Singapore there? What was your motive? What was why you did it in Singapore and not in Germany? Thanks, Martin, for this provocative question. Um, <laughs> so first of all, Christian, I'm, um, it's not Fabi, it's Christian from Volocopter leading the commercial team. Um, and I have to say, it was also a bit of a journey. You know, the authorities of Singapore came to us in 2018. So the regulators, Ministry of Transport, and said, wow, a new technology. Why don't you come to Singapore? We have a good environment there. We are a relevant big city in Asia. Come to us. And, um, also, this government relationship that in Singapore all parties sit on one table was very favorable to us. Mm -hmm. So the talk started and led, I think, to a very beautiful 
flight that you can see online that we did inside um, the city center in Marina Bay, mm. um, where we flew manned mission um, next to the Marina Bay Sands Hotel. And the second point you questioned, what did we do there on top? I think we also wanted to show not only a flight, but we, that we think further in the ecosystem also about infrastructure. Yeah. Because people will not only fly, they also want to be convenient going from A to B, and they need infrastructure for that, as you said. Of course. And that's why we partnered up there with Skyports uh, and built up uh, Vertipod there. And maybe, Duncan, you can say some words to that. Thank you. Sure. Uh, Duncan Walker from Skyports. So it's similar answer to Christian's, really. This is a new industry, a new ecosystem. And to be able to demonstrate that in real life to people. You know, we spend a lot of time talking to people, how do you feel about the flights? What do you think about the concept? We're trying to build a business case around that. And to do that in abstract for something that no one's ever done, um, flown an autonomous or piloted electric taxi in a dense urban environment, it's really difficult to get proper engagement from regulators, feedback from the public. So um, we made the decision uh, with Volocopter to really bring it to life in a dense urban environment see what regulators thought, see what the public thought of that, and get the understanding of what is going to work and what isn't going to work. You can do these things on paper a million times, but until you've done it in real life, you don't know where the pressure points are. Um, Singapore versus anywhere else, which is just the path of least resistance. Um, very credible aviation authority, sophisticated city, somewhere it would be a, bench, uh, a, a start as a market for Asia for us and um, somewhere that was really engaged in it. We go to many cities where you're battling against politicians. Frankly, it's a waste of time when you've got other cities around the world that are actively seeking us. Um, and to get one with the uh, sort of credibility and profile of Singapore was really important for us. Wow, nice. I want to see it soon in Germany. That would be a great deal, maybe next to the main station at Deutsche Bahn. So we have a great round here, a great podium discussion with the right people. And my question is also, which role could play in that game Deutsche Bahn as a central operator in the transportation system? Tatjana, what, what is your motive? Why you are doing it? What you are doing at Deutsche Bahn exactly in terms of the flying taxi ecosystem? Okay, so hi, my name is Tatjana Winter. I work for Deutsche Bahn Digital Ventures and Digital Ventures is the corporate VC of Deutsche Bahn. So what we do, we invest in promising business models, uh, data-driven business models, new technologies that will be important within five to ten years, maybe down the road. So we really want to make Deutsche Bahn innovative. Um, and we look as well into the topic of air taxis. So Deutsche Bahn right now is the leading mobility provider in Germany. And the aim is to stay the leading mobility provider uh -huh. and to get better and better and better. And um, to reach that aim, we need to take a look into every mode of transportation and into new modes of transportation like air taxis. So right now we have different projects um, where we try to figure out what kind of role Deutsche Bahn can play in the market. Mm. Um, we not only operate ICEs and the regios that are often too late, <laughs> yeah. but we as well own the stations in Germany. And stations are today, they are already mobility hubs. And the question that we need to answer is, how can we integrate um, air taxis into existing mobility hubs? And first infrastructure was presented in Singapore, the Voloport with Skyports and Volocopter. So the question is, can we somehow implement it into our stations? Where is the right location? What would be the right business model? How can it look like? And we need to talk about it right now because infrastructure takes a lot of time. Um, so we are looking into it right now. We speak to different parties. Um, yeah. So. And could it, you are searching truffles at Deutsche Bahn Digital Ventures. So do you know what a truffle is? A truffle, ein Trüffelschweinchen? A unicorn. A unicorn. So at Deutsche Bahn Digital Ventures, you are searching unicorns or Trüffelschweinchen. Would be <laughs> somebody here who could be interested for a Deutsche Bahn, Deutsche Bahn Digital Ventures for an investment? Could it be in Skyports or into a flying taxi producer company where Deutsche Bahn could invest or not? Or 
Yeah, we look into different opportunities. So we look what can suit best for Deutsche Bahn and the different ecosystems. And the projects we are doing right now help us to figure out what role we would like to play. And this is like the base for an investment opportunity, right? Yeah. Um, so for the moment right now, I cannot say anything. But when you pay attention to the news next time, maybe you will know more. Okay, so the people, they have to read the newspapers day by day to get the next investment of Deutsche Bahn Digital Ventures, right? Yeah. Exactly. Great, great. Um, we have here Ihang from China. You are coming to Germany right now as a, yeah, as a flying taxi producer. You signed a cooperation with Vodafone in Germany. Why you, why you are doing it here in Germany? Is Chinese, the Chinese market is not huge enough or what you are doing in Germany, my friend? You're a good guy, I know, uh, <laughs> but why the German market or the European market? China is so huge. What you're doing here, my friend? I think nowadays um, for the Yihang vehicle, it's not only designed in China, made in China, but for yeah. the whole supply chain. We have a lot of parts, different parts, come from uh, uh, Germany, Japan, US, uh, Britain, you know, different country. So this is a, a, a global product. Yeah. This is one side, and the second one is the, why we want to uh, work with Vodafone. This is um, because this is an interest from both, uh, both sides. Um, because for the flying taxis, mm. one of the most important uh, infrastructure is to, the telecommunication, the communications. It's uh, about the safety. Uh, it's about the, um, uh, in the future, if, because we are focused on the autonomous flight, it yeah. means that you have time. How are you handling with this time? You need uh, content management, you need uh, uh, safety, because for only for the flying, only 2G, 3G, 4G is uh, enough. But if you have, based on the more business, more security, yeah. you need to have 5Gs. This is one uh, of the biggest reasons. And uh, also, uh, um, Vodafone is a company, they have uh, this kind of pioneer guys, uh, uh, inspiration. They want to try new things, they want to find new business. So this is also, I believe, the best, one of the best partners for us. This is the reason. Yeah. Okay, thanks, thanks. Um, what is, uh, Konrad, could you give us a briefly idea of what a flying taxi is and a helicopter is? What are the differences between a What is a flying taxi and what is Lilium doing, which USP Lilium has? We have Ian here, we have Volocopter here. What you are doing exactly, you are also a flying taxi producer, but what is your unique selling proposition in that flying taxi ecosystem? Thanks for the question. I think, first of all, what is Lilium doing? We are developing an eVTOL and air taxi, which has wings and therefore we take off vertically and then transition into the cruise flight, which is one, considered to be one of the greater challenges in, in aerospace. By that, we can achieve a very high speed and, and range of 300 kilometers, at, um, 300 kilometers per hour. What's the difference to a helicopter? I think these are three points which really matter. The first one is noise. In order to um, implement urban air mobility into inner city locations, it needs to be livable, it, needs, it can't be on the, on the back of other people's um, life, therefore it needs to be silent. Mm. The second point is safety. So if you look at a helicopter which is certified to a safety level of 10 to the minus 6, whereas eVTOLs will be certified to a safety level of 10 to the minus 9, this is a huge factor of 10 to the uh, of 1000. That's the second point and um, I think this, the third point is the, the price point. In order to um, implement such a technology, it needs to be um, financeable. It needs to be, uh, you need to be address a huge market with that in order to deliver a meaningful impact, a mobility impact for all people. How many seats has your flying taxi? We've got four seats, a payload of um, four passengers and one pilot, so one traditional um, so, uh, certified pilot. Okay. And you are analyzing some routes right now? What, what, what are you doing now? You are doing an investment round, I heard about it, is it right? And what, what are you doing with that huge amount of money? So Lilium is um, working on two projects. The first one is um, certifying and manufacturing the aircraft, okay. which is um, like the, the, the milestone here is the type certification by the authority. And the second thing is setting up the air taxi service. So setting up the, the airline, setting up a network of landing pads. 
and um, on both sides we are making very good progress. Great, congratulations. I'm quite happy that uh, such great guys are here in Germany who are supporting the flying ecosystem. Flying I think we are not alone. I think we've got yeah? also Volocopter here. I think yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great place to be. I think we are often getting asked, like, why are you in Germany? Why are you not in, in the Valley or in, in yeah. China? But actually, in, in Germany, you've got such a dense network of suppliers and of aerospace expertise that we can't imagine of a better place than in Germany at the current phase. Great. Thank you. Thank you. We have here the Mr. from Fraport. I wrote in a press release half a year ago, approximately, that you have a cooperation with Volocopter. Why you are doing it and what could be a business case you are working on with Volocopter? Thanks. <coughs> First of all, yes, uh, Alex Laukenmann, um, Frankfurt Airport, Fraport IG. Yes, we have that uh, cooperation. What is our vision? We would like to have actually the first manned test flight from the airport into the city center. And uh, to be very specific, visions are great to have, but you have to make it uh, uh, specific and make it happen. Mm -hmm. And um, why we are making it? Because we think it's a, it's a very good complementation to our 70 million guests coming in and out of the, of the airport every year to get into the city. They've got various possibilities, either with a taxi or with a, a public service. Mm -hmm. um, and we believe that an air taxi could be a good alternative to avoid traffic jams and to have uh, uh, people um, transported. Um, the problem a bit in, in Germany is that, and that's different to Singapore, where there's one deciding body. Um, in Germany, we have regulations. In Germany, we have uh, authorities uh, to certify the vehicles from the manufacturer side. Um, but especially, and that's a bit of the bottleneck in Germany, we have an air traffic control. The, the whole air um, in Germany yeah. and Europe is, is very heavily regulated. So we as an airport wants to have it, and we're in contact with the ATC of Germany, who's very cooperative, actually joining our cooperation. Um, how can we make it happen? Uh, aligned with a normal flight plan. So you cannot just have a, a something going up in the air and going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we are working actually very specifically how we can organize these routes in order to have then test flights from the airport to the city center. It could be even to, to, to railway station, by the way. It could be connect railway station to airports, but that's the plan and that's what we're working for. We're quite positive and optimistic that we can make it happen. And once you've got a test, up and running in Germany, uh, the regular business is not very, very far away then. So your first priority is you're thinking in business cases of passenger transportation, is it right? Not transportation of goods with Volocopter. <coughs> Cargo-wise, it's, it's about the, um, the, the workloads that, that uh, a drone actually can carry. And then there are, in our opinion, other possibilities for the transport from the airport into the city better than, than, uh, than a drone. But we leave that, that for passengers who are time sensitive, okay. um, who would like to also have a, a very special kick of a way of transportation, I think there's a big market for that. We would have the area, we could also work uh, with the guys building the, the ports, the vertical ports at the airport. We can build it ourselves, it's not our, uh, our main area of interest, it's more about extending yeah. our hub situation that we have as an airport in Germany and in Europe. Yeah. And is it like an exclusivity for Volocopter you signed or could Felix Lee or Conrad come to you with your flying taxi to use your mobility hub or your station? We don't have any exclusivity and we are very specific. We don't want to be exclusive because we are a hub and we want to provide a, a, a possibility where all kinds of manufacturers can start and land. Of course, we're quite far advanced with Volocopter, but we're also talking to other providers. Okay. And could, could it be a great idea to, to create a working Arbeitsgemeinschaft in AG together with Deutsche Bahn and with Skypods and with the producers of flying taxis for a test track or test route in Germany? I'm a very open and very direct person. Um, as long as nobody slows us down, he can join us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. But Tatjana, um, um, We could work on the same idea, like, like an operator. Deutsche Bahn want, could be also a great operator for that mobility hubs in the flying taxi ecosystem. So we can work from the main station and they can work from the, yeah, from your, yeah, um, airport. Yeah, I think it's a great kickoff for this working group you just suggested. So afterwards, we can work on the first routes where we can have commercial pilots in the next three years. Maybe the first route will be 
from a train station to uh, Frankfurt Airport. Who knows? So there are two vertical ports built by yourself, one, one at the main <laughs> station in Frankfurt yeah. and one at the airport. So that would be a great connection, actually. Yeah. Yes, perfect. But it could be also a great connection to fly directly from the fair, from the Frankfurt fair to the airport. Could it be? Absolutely. I think um, whatever, um, say, people are really try to get in quickly and get out quickly, I think that's a perfect location. And I think that the future will be a network of that kind of ports. It needs to be efficiently built, that's, that's for sure. Most probably have to, to use existing infrastructure, rooftops or similar things. But other than that, I think that, that could be a, a very interesting future. Would it be a premium segment for passenger transportation? What do you think or what the other guys are thinking, Volocopter or Lilium? I th well, from, from an airport side, we believe that our mass transportation to the airport is actually also Deutsche Bahn, the uh, ÖNPNV, which, which okay. can carry uh, uh, hundreds, hundreds and thousands of people to the airport every day. But I believe that an air taxi can, good, can be a very good alternative or supplement to taxis, for example. Just to Thank add on, on that, I think um, what Conrad also said, cost is a driver compared to helicopter. So I think in the beginning, the industry will show by far below helicopter prices to start with. And of course, with the topic autonomy, so our vehicle will have two seats, in the beginning one pilot, one passenger, and later be fully autonomous. That's the plan, the vision. Okay. And then, of course, you can have two people sitting there, so you can basically you could half the price and come to, let's call it attractive, prices like a premium taxi price. Yeah. In total, we have the vision really to go for a brass, for a broad uh, audience, so not only a premium service. Will the first flight be maybe limited on demand? Yeah. Yes, because not so many vehicles will be out there in the beginning. Yeah. So in the beginning, there will be a shortage, but later on, it will go out to the masses. Okay. I wrote in a press release that your um, uh, distance is approximately 35 kilometers, is that right? And why is it? Well, this is driven more by technology. So our product uh, will fly fully electric, yeah. no hybrid. So, and right now the battery density and technology is there with the weight we have to carry, 200 kilo and in total nearly a ton, our product, to fly 30 kilometer effectively. Yeah. Um, secondly is what we also analyze, I think from our business model is that this is also sufficient. So we analyzed our top 100 cities. So in 95%, we can do the route from airport to city center. Okay. So when you look on an urban environment and do 30 kilometers or 35, you can cover the whole urban environment. And that's our mission. Also in comparison maybe to projects like Lilium with wings, they want to go for further distances. So this is also yeah. a difference in concept, right? Okay. Conrad, what... How, how long is your distance with a flying taxi you are working on? We've got a distance of 300 kilometers. Wow. Uh, that's, yeah, uh, as pointed out, made possible by the wings. So during cruise flight, our wings generate lift, and there we've consuming roughly 10% of, of the energy we need to do the vertical lift. Yeah. I think um, also, um, to pull up this point, um, when you start entering this market, um, prices or the, the demand will be very high. The supply of the fleet, of the, the infrastructure will be limited. Therefore, it's a natural that, that there will be over demand. But as soon as, for example, also automated ATM, that you scale up your operations, your air traffic in, uh, operations, I think we will see a huge increase of, of um, economies of scale and therefore achieve a very um, competitive price with even lower than taxi prices. Thank you. Maybe just to add one point, Martin, because yeah. also you're asking so provocative, why you're not doing it in Germany and so on and so on. So also my question is there, not only looking at maybe also the audi audience thinks is, do we need a flying taxi? Yeah. I believe yes. Do I need it in every use case? Maybe not. Yeah. So it makes sense when there is congested areas, it makes sense to travel quickly from A to B to have that experience, to be efficient or over water or if you fly maybe on an island and so on. So there are a lot of good use cases. There are maybe also bad use cases where a metro or a train is more efficient. Yeah. And this then to beat doesn't make sense. So it makes sense to find those routes and to do that. And also to have a high population density in a city 
that you need to cater. So the question is, does or do all cities in Germany have that? Mm -hmm. yeah? The capacity, that demand? Or rather, megacities like New York, Tokyo, have a much higher demand on that? Mm -hmm. So I think also this question may be back to you. Um, where, where would I start first and why not always Germany? Yeah, yeah. When we had our first, uh, thank you, Christian. When we had our first meeting, we spoke about the three biggest motives, the three biggest uh, Bedürfnisse, needs, when, uh, when people are using a flying taxi. Yeah? And you said the first point is the price, the second point is uh, to, just, to be just in time, to have it not stressful when you are going from A to B, and the second part is to have like an adventure when you are using a flying taxi. Um, funny things. Is it right? Yeah, because we are looking also on multiple customer groups. Obviously, for the airport business, it's a business traveler. Arrives at the airport with a trolley, flies into town. He wants to be on, on time very quickly. But we have also cases um, where you want, we want to attract tourist customers. Just imagine fly around the Tour Eiffel in Paris or whatever, yeah? So there it's really an adventure. I don't know if you have flown in a helicopter, it's great to see the city from above. Yeah. So there are different also target and customer groups for that and catering that. Yeah. Wow. You guys, who, who would like to try a flying taxi? And who, and who not? Who not? Nobody. And what, what is with the other people? They have fearness or what are the biggest, yeah, the, regarding the social acceptance when we speak about why the flying taxi ecosystem is not commercialized in Germany or in Europe or in the world right now. What, what are the reasons? Is it the social acceptance? Is it the regulations? What are the biggest challenges right now? that that dream come true in the world? Uh, it, I always bucket challenges into three areas. There's, there's technology, which is evolving, and these guys are doing an amazing job at getting there. Frankly, if you throw enough money at technology, we're not rewriting the rules of physics, so we'll be able to get there eventually. Okay. Question of time. Then there's regulation. Seem to be making progress through regulators in the US, China, Europe, and others that are affiliated, Asia, Australasia. And then there's social acceptance, which for me is, is the biggest unknown to uh, see if you can convince an audience of a new form of transportation is, is a big challenge, particularly something that has always been out of reach for most people. There's less than 20% of the people on the earth have ever flown. Less than 1% of 1% of that 20% have ever flown in a helicopter. So I sort of disagree with Christian that this should be exciting. Um, when we did the flight in Singapore, the, the pilot came off the off the plane, off the, yeah. the helicopter, and I said, oh, how was it? He said, completely boring. And for him, boring is excellent in this industry. You know, nothing happened, went completely to plan, no excitement, nothing went wrong. And, you know, for early markets, getting tourists flying around, it's exciting, go and see a city from above, you do it in New York, go on a helicopter, it's a, it's a good thing. For everybody around this table to really succeed, it needs to be normalized. It needs to be as boring as getting on a train or getting on an aeroplane. You don't get on an aeroplane thinking, oh, this is the most exciting thing, because for us, it's completely normalized. In fact, you think it's one of the most boring things you do. And for this to be a scaled industry, it's got to completely normalize, which is changing behavior, which is really, really hard. Yes, I, I agree with your point. And I think for social acceptance, there's also the value add very important. So what do you bring to society by offering this service? I think one very important point is, what do we need to do today in order to establish high-speed connections like highways or trains? I think they are very great mobility solutions, but they take a lot of time, lots of capex, and um, lots of in emissions on the people who live close by them. I think this needs to be one of the key points addressed by air taxis that we are developing here in, in a high-speed uh, solution which is very lean in its um, setup. And then I think the second point is in terms of social acceptance and value add is, what do you bring to, for example, to um, regions which are not that well connected, which don't have the ICE stop next to their house, or which don't have a, 
um, highway exit, that you can connect those countryside points with a minimum of, um, of invest and deliver the same kind of mobility as, for example, here in Frankfurt, but also on the countryside wherever you live. Perhaps uh, I just would like to to make up everybody to remember that when first a car was introduced roughly 120 years ago, there were a lot of opponents towards the car saying it's actually too quick. And I think it was, I don't know, 25, 30 kilometers per hour. I think when the iPhone first was came, the smartphone came to the market, me myself said, why do we need a smartphone? I've got a BlackBerry, whatever. BlackBerry is still existing? I, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. So the question is not, um, um, uh, will, be, will be there uh, an acceptance? Uh, I think the question is, who will be the first one to adopt? And is Europe or Germany especially uh, still an innovation uh, location or it's not? And now if we have Singapore having the first test flight, we need to, to ask our question and the manufacturers, at least to some extent, are, are located here in Europe. And are we able to implement such kind of technology here in Germany as a test and with, with, with a regular um, operations or not. And that's a bit of a question for me as, a, as an airport is to say we, we believe in, in, in innovation and we believe in order for us as Europe to somehow keep up with, with the rest, uh, we have to do um, execution. And I said earlier in the, in the round, we've got a lot of politicians in Germany and Europe say, yeah, we're innovative and we are digital and we are at uh, taxes. But yeah. um, in, in Germany, at least in Europe, the same, you've got a lot of regulation and authorities. You have to convince the, the, the authorities and the regulations, independent of what, what politicians might say or dream of. And that's the, the hard work, so to speak. And of course, in Singapore, you have one government or in China, and, and really that's a, a compliment. Somebody says, I want to have it, and then it happens. Here, somebody says, yes, yeah. I want to happen, and then 10 authorities say, well, we've got problems with it. We need a rapid Gesetzesentwürfing. We had a podium discussion last week at Deutsche Bahn, and so many technologies are growing up. And the as a final result, we had we need rapid Gesetzesentwürfing in Deutschland. Also schnellere Gesetze, die der Technologie angepasst ist. But the experts are here, and the experts for new technologies are not political members or people. They have the background. So you guys have to write these laws for this new flying taxi ecosystem. Is it right? Yeah, and to respond to that point, I don't think it will be the Europeans. I don't think it will be the Americans that adopt this technology first. Uh, I'm utterly convinced it will be the Chinese. And if you look at the rate of progress in China, I had a very interesting conversation with Felix six, nine months ago. Yeah. And these guys are flying every day and they're flying passengers. I said, you know, what about the risk profile? What do you, th yeah. what do, what do you think about that? And so I'll, I'll let Felix expand. But he said, look, there's 1.2 billion Chinese people. If you have the opportunity to do something that's new and exciting and sets you apart, everyone tries to do it. And it's super... Um, yep. engaging for the population to try and adopt these things quicker than the rest of the world. And you know, I'd like your, your opinion as to how you sort of play that out into the Chinese market, because from the little I know, it looks like a, a, just a different adoption rate. Yeah. But Felix, Felix, uh, I'm not sure if I had a dream several days ago or a bad night, but I wrote or I had a dream that you are flying tourists and passengers from, in China from Ireland to Ireland. Was it a dream or I drank too much or is it no, no, reality? Uh, no, this is already a reality in China because yeah. I think um, I will from this different perspective to, to describe to a little bit of the difference. Yeah. Um, for the regulation part from the national level and, and the international level, I think it's, uh, it doesn't matter the CAC or the ASA or the FAA. They have the same high level requirement. But the only difference is that in China, we have the opportunity to try something in a, a block, in a special experimental zone. This is the, what, we, ah. what we have already done in China is, the, for example, between in Taizhou, yes. this is a big area and also a small island. We can fly in a daily flight because um, the CAC make uh, four phase. The first phase is uh, they cut an uh, um, uh, area. That is the, about, about 10 kilometers length, two kilometers and up to one kilometer, only us flying, the first step. Okay. And the second step, uh, step is that uh, our other uh, flying vehicle could join in this space. We can use this space together, the second steps. Okay. And the third step is the, then our kinds of vehicle, because the urban air mobility only is a part of mobility. We, on, we, we should have a platform because for the client, what they only care is whether my trips schedule or not. I can schedule it on time or not. 
how, how is the, the, the price? How is the safety? So you need a, a, a kind of central platform to manage the whole mobility as in one platform, in one ecosystem. And um, also, um, in China, there's more than one billion people they never flying because it's, they couldn't affordable. It's too expensive. And uh, the slogan from Yihang is what we want uh, uh, as a company is uh, like humankind flying like a bird. It means <laughs> it should be affordable for everyone. But in yeah. the reality, for the business, for the commercialization, is in this stage, is at least in now, it's only for rich people because the price. We couldn't uh, through the whole supply chain, through the whole business model. What we setting up is to let the prices uh, anyhow is uh, higher than the taxi, but lower than the uh, helicopters. And uh, uh, one of the biggest uh, um, uh, market, what we believe is the, in China for the tourism area. You can use the the Yihang um, uh, like like a, like a, um, like a lift. You go to into the sky 200 meter, have a look around. And only for this business in China, the market is uh, several hundred thousand units. Because the most people are never flying. This is the difference compared to Europe. And also, um, I think the second one big uh, difference is that uh, the basic infrastructure in Europe, especially in Germany, is so good. In the most of German city, you don't have traffic jam the whole time. But uh, one week ago, I was in Guangzhou. It doesn't matter where you are going. Almost the whole time from 4, 8, 4 o'clock a.m. to the 4 o'clock, uh, you know, the whole day, yeah. always face the traffic jam because the whole city is the, um, yeah, big uh, traffic disaster. So this is one reason why the, the Yihang, uh, the, the, the EUs yeah. is invented in, in Guangzhou because we are facing the real, the worst traffic jam in the world, maybe. Yes. yes. Yeah. And um, the second one about the acceptance. The normal Chinese people, they are excited for everything new. New technology, new uh, uh, vehicle, new everything new. For example, we are, I believe now we are the biggest market for uh, electric vehicles, I believe. And also, I believe we were also the biggest market for uh, e-votos. Uh, but for the real commercialization with yeah. Type C, with all kinds of certification, this in China also we need time. But the Chinese government authorization give us an opportunity in different area, region, for a small uh, area to test it, to, to gather enough uh, a good and bad experience. This is uh, uh, one biggest difference. And I, uh, I hope that also in Germany, we can have this kind of area, special zone, testing, gather experience. What's the, the main issue for technique, for regulations? What, what will be the right infrastructure? infrastructure, do we need, uh, what kind of um, range extender? Is the yeah. only battery for flying or what kind of the concept? Is only for the multi-copter or is uh, combined with a uh, wing, is the fixed wing? This is our open question, but we couldn't only discuss. You need to test it, try it, and really yeah. make something. Yeah. So try and error. So here in Germany, we are going three years in our yeah and in, in, into our house for experimenting and then after three years we are coming out uh, with a new technology we are trying it we are learning it and then for the next three years we are going home close the door and yeah learn from the experiences is it like is it the attitude like Germans are working on <laughs> you think so because I learned from you you should do it don't ask it uh, I think say, in, uh, say in the end, sorry that I did it, but don't ask, can I do it? I, I learned from you uh, a little bit. <laughs> because in the last five, ten years, what we have done is the, for a lot of things, if you do the simulation, mathematic uh, calculation, it's always, ah, oh, is this workable or not? Yeah. But if you just try it, then through the experimental testing, you will know what's the main issue. Because, for example, before we really flying with 400 people in different Chinese cities. Yeah. A lot of people said, this is a drone, it's a, it's a toy. I really, can you really fly with human? And is safety enough? <laughs> How we approve it? We couldn't approve it with the certification. Yeah. Certification means nothing for safety. It's only a, 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 I don't know, it's only a paper. But we need it, of course, no doubt. The really safety is that you have the chance to use it as a, as a daily, Daily vehicle, then your acceptance will automatically increase. What, what is the most dangerous vehicle globally? It's the bicycle. 
They couldn't stand, stand up only without driving, you know. It's, yeah, this yeah. is my message. But this is, thanks, thanks. <coughs> of course, I have to A long sentence, but with a lot of input, my friend. Thanks for it. <laughs> I learned also a lot. Of course, I have to make a counter-argument. First of all, I think China is very far advanced. I think there's no doubt about it. On the other hand, as, 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 as an airport, as, as an infrastructure provider, I think same like Deutsche Bahn, we're not in competing markets with China. What is our target is to have a, a, a manned air taxi or even autonomous air taxi here in European Germany as quickly as possible. And here that means the rules, that means with the regulation, and it's not that bad. Of course we have a lot of regulations, authorities here, but we are already in contact with air traffic control. We're discussing concrete specific routes from the airport into the city center. How could that work? So it is sl definitely slower than in China, but still the, the, the market is here as well, and we have to make it uh, happen here as quickly as possible. So it's, it's, not, it's not perfect, but we can work around it. And also to rescue a bit uh, the German authority, we got our first permit to fly in 2016, oh. first worldwide, and who issued it? The German Ministry of Transport. All were thinking, why? Oh my God. And we are flying in our airfield since then. We could fly there. What we, are not, what we cannot do is fly commercially, so passenger, and ask for money. But with our own pilots, we can fly on every airfield in Germany for testing purposes. Um, so I think this mm -hmm. is okay. Now the step to commercialization, I think this is the part where we could need a bit more drive uh, and, and learn maybe, you know what I mean? So from, but I also understand the authorities to say, look for safety first. Also what happens if something goes wrong, yes. right? It was the same then, with the Hyperloop Transrapid. Then, then, the then the whole industry suffers yeah. from that. So that's why I think we're also trying to be there very careful step by step to introduce that new technology because it's built on trust that it's socially also accepted. Yeah. Thank Can I you. see something? Yeah. Only because one sentence, my friend. Only one. Ah, okay. Because I think for the, for the other stuffs like uh, volume, uh, uh, Volcopter, Lilium and Yihang, we are now in a stage that we need somehow earn money. If we are waiting for the certification and awareness, if we are not allowed overall make the commercialization, we always need the funding. And at Indirect, it means we burn money. But I believe now we, have, we are in the stage, we have the ability to earn money by ourselves. But the authorization should give this kind of experimental area special regulations to let us earn money. And of course, for the safety, um, hmm? you know, the authorization, they also, sorry, yeah. No, no. Uh, they always ask, hmm. what, what's your safety concept? Mm. And uh, for us, because we, we, we show them different, you know, it's not about only flying thousands of hours, not about how many mm. testing, what we are doing. The, 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 the key message is that this is new concept. Innovation means we don't even have the right regulation for our vehicle, for our concept. The Australian, sorry, they have no idea how should running the, the drones with transport, transport human. Even we don't know. But we are ready to testing, to find a new way. And in this moment, we need the authorities to work with us together to find the right way. Thank you. So people, I want to open the discussion round after three hours. Hopefully you can hear what I'm saying. I can sing next time I bring my guitar. Who has a question to one of the panelists? Please be extroverted. Question from you guys? Some questions? Thanks, thanks. I just have a general question because we talked about a lot about technology and regulation. But predicting the future, is there a minimum city size for flight taxi business to work? Did you ever make calculations? So are we going to have flight taxis in small cities as well or only in big metropolitan areas? So for mega cities, yeah, yeah. Who wants to answer? Yeah, we've probably got slightly different answers depending on what we're doing. Um, for the next 10 years, this ecosystem is supply constrained, not demand constrained. And the ability to certify a vehicle in particular, aside from the infrastructure, is super hard. To then turn that into a production line where you're putting tens and hundreds and thousands of vehicles, you know, it's taken Tesla, what, 15 years to get to the point where they can manufacture at the pace. In fact, they're still behind the pace and they manufacture to automotive standards, not to aviation standards. 
So can I see a world where smaller cities are connected to larger cities by VTOL? Absolutely. Can I see that world in the next 10 years? Frankly, no, because the prize is so much bigger in other places. Um, you know, if we can go and do 20 cities in China, another 50 cities in the rest of Asia, the, the economics of those cities is so much greater than those, those short hops that I just don't see it in the near future. Here, a long way down the line, and I can see it for sure. Yeah. Maybe one comment uh, to that. I also see it from a perspective of what kind of routes do you offer and what's your value proposition? And I think the, the main value proposition of air taxis is, is time savings. And if you've got, for example, rather an, an Asian city where you can generate a time saving on five to 10 kilometer routes, then let's do it. I think in European uh, ones, you rather need a higher kilometer uh, route for, let's say, smaller cities or larger cities in order to, to have a compelling use case for the customer. Thank you. And also, um, I think, please don't forget what we are focusing is the for the autonomous flight. It means for which, which kind of city, it doesn't matter. But the, what matters is that because we use the autonomous flight, you have the safeness about the pilot, about the maintenance, and about a lot of other things. So the cost should be lower enough. It's only a, the question, is this a, a, a feasible commercial use case? This is, we need to do uh, studies. But the size of the uh, cities is uh, not really an issue. Yeah. Thank you. Martin, Next we have question. a lot of questions yeah. here. A lot of questions. Hopefully uh, we can answer all of these. Yeah. When will the first air taxis be flying in Frankfurt? What do you think? There was a gorilla. What do you think? We are safe here. Of course, I believe that. And for Germany, for Germany, I believe it will be Frankfurt. And which timeline? Which timeline? Yeah. I think I'm not allowed to speak about that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. What do you think, Quicker Christian? than you expect, I would Christian, say. Christian, do, do, could you say what, 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 what is your stomach? I mean, what your stomach I mean is our timeline is in the next two to four years to be live. Yeah. And uh, which city to pick then yeah. will uh, exactly determined by what is the demand? Do we have a positive use case? Is the social acceptance and authorities there? And we, then we started and paralyzed that. And what you are doing for the social acceptance that the dream can come true in Germany? So we actually do a lot of customer studies. Yeah. So we did one at Berlin um, Main Station where we questioned a lot of people. We did one in Stuttgart where we questioned 1,500 people. Okay. So do they want to use it? Do they not want to use it? And we get all this data. There will be some publication soon around that. Uh, also to get the feeling, do the people want it? What do they want to pay for it? Um, and into which routes do they prefer to go to, from A to B? Okay, thank you. The next question, um, how when old will are the first Volo port being built? Hopefully in Germany. A month ago, we already did it. First one. Yeah, but on the commercial way? Within two, it depends on these guys. We just need <laughs> humble infrastructure people. Uh, as soon as vehicles that we, you know, building infrastructure takes a really long time. You've got to get all the consents, you've got to work with landowners. You know, yep. that's a two to three year lead time. So we're out there now securing sites, working through permitting processes, working with vehicle manufacturers to understand what those first routes will be and where they need infrastructure. So as soon as these guys are live, all three of these guys will have infrastructure there ready to go. But that means we need to be starting today and we are actively are starting today. Great. Martin, you know we know each other, but my question is, why does not Deutsche Bahn build one right now? Because I have to pay new clothes. No, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, I'm here the moderator today. So, and, and the mediator, Tatjana. Could you give us a short answer on, on that question? What, yeah. yeah, as you maybe all know Deutsche Bahn, Deutsche Bahn is owned by the government. We cannot just say, well, yeah, let's build one tomorrow. And processes take a lot of time, so we need to work with the authorities, and it's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of paperwork, um, until we can yeah, set up a commercial and a yeah, commercial vertiport. But we are right now already working on it, and we are looking into the best suitable locations, as we spoke about the um, best routes, so we are today working on it. So hopefully within two to four to five years, the time frame you mentioned, we will be ready to build a vertiport at a German station. Okay, so you are analyzing um, the sizes of the main stations and uh, you are analyzing the routes who could be a great place for a mobility hub 
next to the main station, for example, in Munich or in Berlin or like that? Yeah, so we are looking into different stations and as Duncan mentioned earlier, in urban environment there is not a lot of location that you can just use and where you can build a vertiport. So we need to look into different options. Um, would it be possible to build a vertiport on top of a station maybe or to build something above the tracks and how is it accessible? Because the, the biggest aim is that you really need to save time and you don't save time when you just have to go up a skyscraper and maybe wait uh, 50 minutes for the elevator to come. Yeah. So then um, an air taxi is not efficient. Yeah. Um, you cannot wait, um, yeah, you cannot save time. So right now we are looking into different stations and look how we can build it, like from the infrastructure perspective and what kind of business model would be suitable for this. Mm -hmm. Airbus and Woom has already six heliports in Mexico City and Sao Paulo. These are heliports. So it's only a question of time until an upgrade version into a vertiport is coming up. Is it right? I think it's right because the difference between a, heli a heliport and also a vertiport is not that big. The only thing is that uh, in the vertiport we need to integ integrate it with the, the 5G uh, stations. And also, um, how is the, the uh, UTM uh, uh, traffic management system? It means um, we should uh, maybe in the future it's not really centralized uh, urban air mobility management system. Maybe it's the decentralized. So how is the, the real model for it? We, we need to do studies. Yeah. Thank you. We actually okay. have a lot of questions. So people are really interested. Maybe we will do a, quest, a quick round of questions and quick answers. Oh, okay. um, so um, what is the potential <laughs> of the airspace? How much capacity do you see? Like how many moving cabs or how many people could you move in an area like Frankfurt, for example? <clears throat> it, is, it is very much regulated. However, it's regulated with certain routes for planes. And that's very specific how a, a plane is allowed to fly. When it comes to from the airport to the city, that's a different story. And that's it's exact, exactly where certain routes have to be established with the ATC, what we're doing at the moment. Once these routes are established, then I think it, it's similar to the, to the normal airspace. That's a good thing in Germany. Once you have that route established, everybody can go Speaking wider. about routes, one question was, who is regulating that? Usually flights are being monitored. Who's monitoring then all the different... Uh, that's the ATC, the air traffic uh, movement, which is located actually, which is good here in Langen. Close so they have to build Germany. up capacities to, moni to mo uh, monitor, um, monitor your guys' services, no? Well, they have to build up um, capacities in order to monitor the flight traffic from the airport or from the railway station, then within the city, yes. Mm -hmm. Next question. I'm just going to disagree with that. That's an old school way of looking at airspace management. That's an airport talking. Mm -hmm. The limit on the capacity of the airspace <laughs> is as much as will be socially acceptable. Airspace is being digitized. You can put as much as you want in there. Your restriction will be what people on the ground will accept and what there's demand for. But air traffic management is changing very rapidly over the next few years. And that will enable many more routes. There's clearly an interface with, with sort of big birds and smaller ones. Um, but I think, the, I think the dynamic is changing quite quickly around what the air can accommodate. It's what the population will accept that's the limiting factor. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're also very positive when it comes to, because there needs to be obviously a unified system. So you trust in the regulators to be faster than with 5G, for example. Yeah, I mean, there already is. If you go to Dubai, they've got a fully unified system. Okay. Yeah. A lot of next question. There's only one person. Who is Mr. Anonymous? That guy, that guy has a lot of questions. I think it's one guy. Yeah. Because this is Mr. Anonymous. Um, does it look really bad to have that many air taxis in the air? Put your hands up in the air. I think, uh, yeah, please. I think we analyzed that. So we did a real live helicopter flight. We saw that, you know, and uh, projected in 1,000 volocopter. Yeah. So and we gave that to an audience and they looked at it and I say, how many volocopters do you see? They said 10. But yeah, but it was actually transporting thousand people. Mm. So when you're then in the air, you know, the distance is so far, you have uh, different levels. Um, of course, public acceptance, but you will not see that. Yeah, so that's we'll the first point. When you look at Singapore, some data points, you have like 80 to 90,000 
cabs and ride-hailing cars on the street. Yeah. One million rides per day. Uh, so um, we are talking now about thousands of vehicles and this needs production capacity to fulfill that. So I think we are still far away from a um, maybe negative scenario uh, where the question is pointing to. Related okay. to that, how loud are these vehicles are going to be? Maybe you can start first. I can oh, answer noisy. at least two questions. The first one is let's... Uh, we are animals, we are, we are human, we look <laughs> horizontal, not always upstairs, that's the first thing. The second one is the, the operational attitude should be something between 150 meters to up to uh, 500 meters, mainly in China. Uh, you should fly higher than the highest point on the road, about 70 meters. Okay. And the noisy is uh, if about 150 meters, you, you hear nothing, zero. Mm. Great. So only when, I guess, that changes with a landing spot? Uh, let it be noisy, yes. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah, well, in, in general, okay. also our philosophy is built around noise, so we will be very silent. But noise is always subjective, means someone likes this and so on. So our noise profile is very low and let's call it comfortable, I would say. And as Felix said, above 70, 80 meters, you don't hear it at all. Even in an urban environment, you will not hear it if there is a truck and something like that. Um, so I can give you some specifics who was questioning in a one-on-one -on -one, um, to elaborate on that. Here um, is, you are Mr. Anonymous. Yeah, no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm Jürgen. <laughs> um, the question is uh, the noise level and the other question is the amount of wind which is produced by a regular helicopter. What's that with your product? Uh, to answer your first question, normally for the noisy, now, nowadays, by the start and landing, it's uh, uh, about uh, uh, 78 to 80 decibels. But we believe through the technical environment, uh, improvement, it should be uh, uh, in the coming 12 to 18 months reduced to something 60. Should be possible. We are uh, just working with it. And the second question, you, you ask about the wind, what do you mean? Like the when takeoff, how many leaves is it going to stir up? How many dust is going to go through um, takeoff um, and landing? Because this is this is also the right why the reason why what what will be the right witty part for the uh, AEVs? Maybe you should something like a, a, a fishness. Maybe it's better because then you don't have this kind of ground effect. This should be a, a um, studies. To maybe just give another perspective on noise and, and uh, downwash from our perspective. I think um, we won't fly at 70 to 80 meters. I think that's very low. We will have a minimum altitude of 1,000 feet, which is more or less 300 meters, which is the current minimum for, from the, the rules of the air in Europe. I think that's, that's the altitude you want to keep so that people feel safe, that they have privacy, that it feels like if a today flight is happening. I think that's, that's one part. Downwash, we have, um, we have done tests on that and we are very um, confident that, that these impacts will only stay on, on the landing pad itself and there won't be any harm or influences beyond that. And, and maybe just to add, you know, um, with the electrification, you don't, we will not have, like in a helicopter, a permanent rotation. So the engines only will start when the passenger is sitting in and then it activates, then you have a down. So you don't have that for a passenger. So you shouldn't land in sandy areas. Yeah, so obviously, but apart from that, I think this is the difference. So, and also when we land and stop, the engine stops. So no auto rotation as yeah. in a helicopter. So, so sorry for the panelists. We need, we have a lot of questions here. So please, Tatiana, you have to stay here, take the next train to Berlin because the people are more open-minded right now and they have a lot of questions. So let us stay two more hours together. So another question here is... Um, no, wait, my friend. Yes, okay, here, here. there is a question, all right. I have just, uh, Jörg Friedrich, I have just a quick question. Uh, you're talking about energy, uh, electric power train. Uh, do you have plannings with hydrogen as a range extender? Wasserstoff, hydro hydrogen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I can only talk from Ihan because from the multi-copter concept, we believe this is the worst design for energy consumption, but it's the safest design for the uh, 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 two safeties. And uh, yes, we are making the consideration and also start some test project, but it's very difficult because the dead weight is that high. You need to always give a compromise between what's the payload and what's the range extender uh, kind of balance. It's not that easy. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, just to add a quick answer, um, we're also looking into that, but I think the branch of Stella or fuel cell is not on, let's call it, commercial level yet. <laughs> yeah? If it comes so far, I think it's very interesting because the efficiency rate is so high, and I agree with Felix, so then also the capacity needs to be the right one. But the good thing is, we have already electric, uh, electric engines there, so only the source changes. So that's the positive thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One more question here. We know each other. Yes, we do. Um, yeah, one more question around the infrastructure, right? So we've seen the uh, Vertiport in Singapore, the Voloport branded between Skyports and Volocopter, but you know, moving on in the future, the infrastructure somehow needs to be interoperable to be able, right, for everyone to to, uh, to use it. So, so what is actually done that? You know, when I look at the design, a Volocopter and the Lilium jet look very different. What, what is done that down the road we'll be able to use the same VertiPort for all three um, or ten concepts or whatever that we'll have there in the future? Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, this isn't a winner-takes-all market. Either everyone around this table is very successful because we've got a big ecosystem or no one is because it doesn't exist. And um, Every time we design infrastructure, we always design to a reference vehicle, which actually isn't even a real vehicle. It's a standard size. Airports have been doing it for years and years. It's a standard size. In fact, when Airbus, the A380 came along, it screwed up everyone's airports because the volume of throughput and the length of the runway. But what we try and do is work with all of the vehicle manufacturers to understand what their specifications and requirements are going to be and the customer journey expectations. Design our infrastructure so that it can accommodate everybody. And even in the case of the Voloport, which was a specific uh, joint venture with Volocopter, which we were delighted to do, even that is designed to be able to accommodate more than one type of vehicle. Because if you look at other forms of aviation, you've got airports around the world. I always struggle to think of one. I think there is one which is owned by an, an airline. Every other airport has multiple, it has Boeing, it has Embraer, it has Airbuses, it has multiple operators of those. Because airports work from utilization. If we want to hit the price point that is amenable to everybody for this, rather than super exclusive, we need massive utilization of these vehicles, quick changes, and high throughputs of heliports, vertiports, which is why broadly all of, the, all, of the, all of the vehicle manufacturers we work with get that point. Of course, they want some competitive advantage, and they want a specific customer journey, and they may want some branding, but it's a pretty broad understanding that it's going to be open access to everybody. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Um, some more questions here. Um, first of all, once in, you're flying in winter, you need um, air conditioning or heating. How is this going to affect the range of the vehicle? Very bad, because if you use electricity, make heating, the loss is, the, the loss is very high. So this is... Um, so it's going to be very cold or very warm in this No, no, vehicles? no, because it's, uh, <laughs> generally speaking, it's, uh, frankly speaking, it's uh, only a wear shortage. Uh, we are, what we are focusing is uh, you can only fly in more or less I mean, as passenger with the reserve, 10, 15 minutes is uh, long enough. And uh, uh, we have also air conditions on board, but um, if we start the air conditions and also all the, uh, this kind of equipment, the flying duration will be um, a little bit short. shorter. Yeah. yeah, our first products will serve for appropriate heating. Okay, they will come with heating or warm jackets or something. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, did you name some prices already? Predicted prices for certain going from the, um, I don't know, airport in, to the city center? Uh, from our testing in China, what we already have done is it's, uh, it's now in this stage 1.5 times compared to a taxi, but it's the, on the street. For example, if you fr uh, fr uh, from an airport to the city center, it's, uh, uh, with taxis, uh, 100 uh, euro. Then flying is uh, about about uh, 150 in the first stage, but we believe uh, through the running, through the the, the the advantage of the scale, in the future it should be uh, dropped down to the leverage of the the, the taxi, taxi price. Mm. Wow, should it? Right. And um, then more technical questions. Um, getting your vehicle certified. What is the main challenge? Sorry. What is the main challenge in getting your vehicle certified? So as I said in the beginning, now it's really about execution. So we know um, the baseline, what we have to build, and we are building now the series product. So it's now engineering task to build it and test it together with EASA um, to get on this high level of safety that Conrad said, 10 minus 9, that's the next challenge for us. 
Mm-hmm. Great. We have here a question. A question from the floor. Given the high regulatory nature and the safety you're looking to achieve, night flying is very different from day flying. What implication will you have in terms of getting accreditation to fly at night? So, um, in the beginning, it will be VFR, so visual flights, so daytime. Um, but of course, then, um, um, of course, what the vehicle manufacturers also will prepare is um, lights. Yeah. So basically, you need then lights. You need uh, also lightning when you land at the vertiport and so on. This must be done, um, and you need systems that can speak with the. Uh, let's call it UTM, so with the air traffic management that you know that is my flight path and so on. Technically, I mean, and you see how uh, Felix and the team or Ihang is doing it and so on, you can already perform automated flights. We also did that in Dubai. So GPS waypoints, you have a flight route, that's technically doable, but what happens if a small drone or a swarm of birds comes? How do you detect them in the night? How can then the, you know, the pilot react on that? Those are the systems I think we're currently the uh, manufacturers are working on and have to come true and reliable true to implement it. Right, there's lots of more questions, but my suggestion would be that we wrap it up here and everybody who still has a question just approaches um, you right after the talk because I guess most of you will still Shall he- we be here for a couple of minutes. Yeah, and we will have a picture together also. Please yes. stay with me over there. Yeah. Wonderful. So I would wrap it up with a question. Last words, Martin? Yeah. So thanks for coming. These guys will stay here in the private launch for you so you can uh, speak with them, discuss with them your deep dive questions if you like. Thanks for coming. Thanks for your time. We will have a podium discussion about the Hyperloop train with 1,200 Stundenkilometer is going on tomorrow in the afternoon here at the same stage. And we have uh, also a panel discussion Um, the day after it, on Thursday, also also in the afternoon about the cyborg thematic. So I would like to see you here in front of the stage to discuss about the topics. And thanks for coming and enjoy your nice time here at the Hypermotion. Thanks for coming. Thanks a lot, Martin, and thanks a lot to you guys. Thanks for coming. Danke. So we will do a short break here. We will, um, because we finished a little bit earlier. So the next panel um, with Vision Mobility Think Tank last mile will start at four o'clock. Das heißt, wir machen eine kurze Pause hier bis zum Start des nächsten Panels, wie ursprünglich geplant. Um, dann der Vision Mobility Think Tank nochmal auf der Bühne mit einem Panel zum Thema letzte Meile.